You're listening to The Preppy Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia May Marish, and I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. Each Tuesday, I'll bring you a new episode, but if you're craving more preppy, then shop the merch at thepreppypodcast.com and follow at The Preppy Podcast on social media. Today, I'm so excited to talk with my friend Paige Manier of The Pink Clutch. I followed Paige for years, and we were even part of a Shinwazari chic style hashtag group together. I got to learn so much more about Paige, her blog, business, and personal life, and I know you guys are going to love hearing her story. Before I start the interview, though, I want to share with you a networking opportunity and fun event the New England Coastal Creative Conference. It is a great resource for any creative business or influencer to attend, and I'll be there hosting a panel and as a mentor. It's September 28th and 29th at the Winnetou Oceanside Resort on Martha's Vineyard. It's a networking conference dedicated to creatives working in and around the New England coastal community. You don't have to be from there, though, to attend this event. I'm obviously from Pennsylvania, and I know some Southerners who are attending as well. The two-day conference is filled with panels, speakers, pop-ups, conversations, industry experts, mentors, and friends, as well as some delicious food and cocktails. Check out necoastalcreative.com for tickets and more information, and please join me. I'd love to meet you in person there. All right, so why don't you let everyone know who you are, where you live, and what you do? So my name is Paige Minear. Um, I live in a northwest suburb of Atlanta. I live in Marietta, Georgia. Um, I am a lifestyle blogger. Um, I am a brand influencer. And I am the owner of a vintage resale shop. I love that. And I've been following along with you for years. I feel like many, many years ago, I found your blog and social media. Um, but tell me, like, where, what was growing up like? Did you grow up in Georgia? I believe you grew up in Florida, but correct me if I'm wrong. Um, were you always creative? Were you always like treasure hunting? Did you have someone that you looked up to their style? Like, talk to me a little bit about what it was like growing up for you. So I grew up, yes, you are correct, in central Florida. Um, my hometown is actually in Lakeland, which if you draw the center of the state of Florida, you've hit it. Um, <laughs> my parents were divorced when I was very young. So I kind of went between my mom who was in Lakeland, my dad who lived in Orlando, um, and my grandparents who lived in Haines City, which is kind of like a 50-50 spot. Okay. Um, and I... Uh, for me, it's so funny because we just spent a week in Florida and there are so many things that provide me so much joy and comfort from, you know, that life. Mm -hmm. um, but I grew up, so my mom obviously worked because she was single for a while. Um, yeah. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, um, summers and, you know, holidays and sick days and the like. And my grandfather, um, was a harvester and hauler of fruit. So basically you go out into the groves, you buy the groves, your people harvest it, and then they take it and sell it to Donald Duck and Minute Maid and all the places. Oh. Um, but his passion and his um, joy was antiquing. So I grew up going to um, auctions, not at all like they are now, 
um, <laughs> when I was very, very little and, you know, holding on to that paddle. And I thought it was cool because, you know, he would take me everywhere and he, you know, treated me as if I was like his plus one. Yeah. Um, and we definitely, so I definitely, I think part of the reason why I love antiques so much is the smell. I mean, it takes me right back to being a very small child and either being in their house surrounded by antiques or um, being in an auction or watching him refinish things. Like that smell takes me right back. Mm -hmm. Um, And yes, I've always been creative. I think um, watching my um, grandfather who like also in his spare time built doll houses, watching him take like, um, you know, little tiny things and make orange crates or little chairs, or he took, you know, wire and turned it into little ice cream sets. Um, And so definitely I've been creative probably as long as I, I guess forever. I'm an only child. Um, And when you do that, you have to find something to do basically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I've always, I mean, my mom can tell you I've been rearranging my room since I was bitty. Um, (laughs) I remember being in elementary school and my, um, stepdad, who's basically my father, um, they installed cork board all along one big wall and I would fill it with, you know, postcards and things I could pull out of a magazine and I mean, just anything. So I had a design board or an inspiration board, I guess is better for me since I'm not a designer, um, (laughs) at the ripe old age of like seven. That's so fun. I love that. I feel like I have so much in common with you, which is so funny because we have like the same monogram too and all, but I'm an only only child too. And even just hearing stories about your grandparents, um, I grew up very close to my grandparents. My parents are together, um, but you know, they worked growing up. So I got the bus off at my grandparents when I was a kid. And when I had a sick day, I would be at my grandmother's and every Saturday, my mom and I would go shopping with my grandmother who loves antiques. She's more into like Victorian furniture, which isn't necessarily my thing, but um, she gave me that appreciation too. So I love hearing that because it's so familiar to me. So I remember being very young and my grandfather, one of the things that he loved to buy and um, so being in the business that he was, a lot of the crews that they would hire would basically, you know, the men would be providing for their families. Mm -hmm. So my grandfather was not, it was not uncommon for him to buy like an extra table or something. And I would see him deliver it to a front porch or drop a ham or whatever. But um, because I saw him refinish things, I knew that they didn't have to be perfect when you bought them. Yes. Um, And he would sand it or he would, you know, strip it or he would whatever. So I knew that there was something very, very special about it being old mm-hmm. and chipped or, you know, dinged or whatever. Like it didn't have to be perfect. Yeah. Um, so we have actually, um, my oldest has it right now, but one of the things he bought was a um, leaf table. So not a drop leaf, but it's a round table. And if you pull either side, you can put leaves in it and make it into an oval. 
Oh, cool. It has like, I don't know the name of it. I'll have to Google it. But um, it has like a block center and then the wheels come out. Oh. And I remember him buying them for like $20 to $5 a piece. Oh my gosh. I have one. They had two. They made one into a coffee table. My mom had one. Like, you know, it was just, that was like the first thing that I remember seeing him buying. And I remember he'd be like, yeah, it's round now. But if we, like he would cut leaves and make it bigger. And, you know, it just... To me, there was something so magical about the hunt Mm -hmm. and then watching him turn it into something. Yep. I love that. That was just, you know, and, you know, growing up, we'd go to the beach and you buy a shell and, or not buy a shell, but you'd find a shell and it would be a treasure. And so it really just imprinted on me, you know, that the things that you find Mm -hmm. feel so special. Yeah, because you're part of that search. Like, it's not just something you're going online and you're buying. Like, you're investing true, in True, but I mean, true. But, uh, you know, I definitely, you know, like to peruse the vintage and auction sites online. But for me... Oh, I mean, like, Amazon. It's not, like, just something you're, you know, there's no, no connection it, with sort of thing. Correct, 100%. Yeah. So I would rather have something with a ding 100% over something brand new. Definitely. So now when it came time for college, um, where and what did you end up studying? Like, did you do anything with design or what route did you take and why? So because my, um, so when we, when I graduated from high school um, in Lakeland, I, like I said, my dad lived in Orlando. So when my parents got divorced, my dad moved from Lakeland where we were to Orlando, which is really only about... I mean, back then it was a solid hour and, you know, whatever, but, um, I think it's probably like 55 minutes, 45 minutes Okay, we moved to Orlando. And, um, I, so for me, um, I wanted to like my vision growing up was I always wanted to like design clothes or design windows or like, I wanted to do something in that realm. And mm-hmm when I graduated, my mom was like, I really need you to have a backup career. You know, you never know, unfortunately, what life's going to look like. And you need to have something that you could do as a backup. Um, and cause you know, I mean, like from itty bitty, I was always playing dolls and I was like, Nope, I'm going to be a mom. I'm going to be a mom. I'm going to be a mom. <laughs> that was my whole goal was to be a wife and a mom. And my mom was like, that doesn't always, unfortunately, her situation made her very aware that doesn't always work. Yeah. Um, so she wanted me definitely to have stability. Um, and my children make fun of me because as an only child and a little bit more of a shy child, I was not the party girl. I mean, mm. I was the one at home in high school and probably through my freshman year in college, reading my Nancy Drew books, like religiously, <laughs> religiously, I know all about me. I mean, all about Nancy Drew. I have every single book. I mean, I was definitely, you know, that that was my second passion. So um, because of that and because I had so much more of the mindset of, okay, well, if I can't design then the only other thing I, you know, am interested in is the law. So I um, 
originally started, so I went to school in, at UCF, which is in Orlando, because I knew I'd be close to um, my dad, who at that time was married and had two children. Um, so I was very close to my stepmom, close to the kids, a whole nine yards. So um, I went to school at UCF, and I was like, well, I'm not sh- you know, I'm still leaning way towards this whole retail fashion degree. My mom's really like, uh. so I started out my first semester as a business major, took economics, failed it. Second semester, took it again, barely passed with a D, was like, a business is not for me. Yeah, um, I, There's nothing about this that sparks any joy. I mean, obviously don't know those words, but like, this is, I hated going to class. I hated every part of it. So I switched my major, um, my sophomore year to pre-law, um, with the idea that, you know, I could graduate, go to law school. I would always have that law degree as a backup in case anything ever went wrong in my life. Um, so yeah, graduated with a pre-law degree, um, interned my junior and senior years um, in a couple of different places. I interned at the state attorney's office. I interned in the family law office. I mean, just basically trying to get street knowledge, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then landed in a um, construction office as my last um, internship. And then when I graduated, they offered me a full-time job as paralegal. So I was yeah. kind of done with school. Um, so I figured I'd work a year, maybe two, and then, you know, study for the LSAT and then hit law school. So that was my plan when I graduated from college. I had no idea. Yeah. I didn't know that you did the pre-law thing. So then, so you worked then at this law firm. Um, then how did you stay there? Like, was that kind of your career until you got married and have kids or was there something else that you did (laughs) business-wise? Um, no. So yes, I stayed there. I was the PR legal in the office. Um, there, it was a construction, uh, heavy civil construction office. Um, they, I worked for the managing, well, I worked for, worked for all the attorneys, but I basically, my office was in between the, um, managing partner and the executive partner. Um, and so, you know, my life, for lack of a better word, my life started as their my day started as their day was ending. Okay. Um, so you still get there, crack it on, whatever. But then as their day's ending and they're like, okay, now I have to fly to, you know, Indiana. I have to fly to, you know, the Bahamas. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Here's all the stuff I need to prop. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. I mean, it was good work. It was hard work. Um, I love the people that I worked with. Um, there was one attorney in the office who caught my eye. Um, <laughs> but... Um, you know, it just, I mean, I worked, so I started there my beginning of my senior year. Um, and I'm a young, like I graduated from high school, barely 17. Oh, wow. And well, I turned 17 in January and then graduated in what early May. So when I graduated from college, I just turned 21. Um, I started working there. I remember, I, so I had an internship and then they offered me that, you know, a full-time job. And I was like, um, can I have my birthday off? Because like, I don't, and he was like, rolled his eyes and he's like, sure, whatever. But I do remember I started working there the day after my 21st birthday. Um, and I was there until October of 
93. So I, you know, like 23 and a half. Okay. So now when did you start your blog then and why? So a couple of reasons. Um, Working for a law office Mm -hmm. as a paralegal, I was very, very aware that there was nothing nine to five family oriented about law. Yeah. Nothing. Um, your day was, and I always wanted to be, you know, like in, I wanted to be a prosecutor. So there was no way that I was going to be able to leave that job and go home, like to a husband or a family or any of the above. There was just no way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm super committed when I, you know, get involved in something and I knew I was going to be a workaholic and this was just a waste of my energy. So I, at that point, really, I don't know. I think there was something almost like that creative side of me was not getting fed. I mean, okay. how creative can you be when you're making notebooks? I mean, yeah, I would like color tab it and whatever. <laughs> nothing creative. I mean, I was in an office or in the law library all the time. Um, I, it's just what I did. Like, I mean, mm. I was the paralegal. So there was a a couple of, I would say from like the summer of 93 till the fall of 93, I was not in the best place. Okay. Um, I was secretly dating someone at work (laughs) um, and um, who was coming off a bad relationship. And so uh, I knew this was someone that I was, I knew it was not just another one of those like guys that you date. I, yeah. I, I knew there was way more to it for me. So I, I wasn't happy at work um, and not because of the environment, but be, just because of me. It wasn't fulfilling to you at that point, maybe. No, I mean, yeah. I just wasn't. I was like, this is not, I think, you know, that plan was kind of imploding a little mm-hmm. bit in my head and I knew it wasn't working. So um I was in Winter Park with my best friend and we were doing a bunch of things and I was in William Sonoma, you know, like uh, she was, she was the cook out of the two of us. So she was probably buying some cooking tool or whatever. And I got chit chatting, you know, with um, the store manager and the DM happened to be there. Long story short, I applied for a job. Okay. And, um, I, you know, my boyfriend definitely was not in a place to be where I was emotionally. You know, he was trying to heal from a bad relationship. I was like, oh my God, this is it. Like, he's it. Like, he's it. I know he's it. And I don't know what I'm going to do. So basically, my best friend and I cooked up the plan for me to quit my job, to go to work for William Sonoma. And, you know, just to like transition into retail, which was what I wanted to do. Um, and I was like, I don't know, like maybe I'll, I'll figure it out, but I got to break into this retail world. So lo and behold, the only management position that they had was at Lenox Mall in Atlanta. Um, so I somehow, this shy kid, um, I quit my job. I 
moved out of my apartment and knowing not one person moved to Atlanta, um, Halloween weekend, 1993. Oh my gosh. So funny enough, um, that boyfriend moved me here, um, helped me move in, you know, did all the things, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Um, my position at Williams-Sonoma, um, I was, I think, the fourth assistant at the time. Okay. Um, literally ended probably eight weeks after I got here because – you know, fourth assistant first bumped, right? Like, mm-hmm. so they didn't, I mean, it was not a big store. It's definitely not the store it is today. Um, so I was without a job and I went and worked at Lord and Taylor for the Christmas season, wrapping presents. And um, that DM talked to a different DM and another, you know, contact that I had made while still in Orlando Um hired me, I guess it was the beginning of February to work for structure. Okay. So yeah, just definitely in this whole like city, I don't know anyone. Um, I mean, I knew Patricia, I knew no one. Oh my gosh. And That's so, overwhelming. <laughs> it's overwhelming. But honestly, thinking back, like I, I grew more in 93 to 95 than I had like and I was at, what was I, 23 at the time? Yeah. Like, than any other time I had in my entire life. And honestly, the plan, you know, the, this plan that my best friend and I had was like, I would stay in Orlando or Atlanta for a year, year and a half. Okay. Figure it out. I, maybe we'd move to New York together. Like, we would just, I just needed a year to basically get over this heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Long story very short. Um he freaked out that I was not coming home, ended up proposing to me in September of 94, and we were married the next year. Oh, wow. So um, I worked retail up until I got pregnant with our first, who was born in late 1996, um, had a second child in 2001, and um, and had another baby in 2004 and in between 2004 and 2007 when I started my blog um definitely a lot of we had a baby with special needs so there was a lot of unknown there was a lot of confusion there was a lot of um people telling us things that didn't make any sense. Like just, it was basically like the unknown, like walking the unknown with no roadmap. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 2007, mommy blogs was a big thing. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I need something creative. I can no longer move furniture in my house. Um, I can't make any more window treatments out of, you know, cardboard boxes and foam. <laughs> so I'm going to start a mommy blog and literally just backed into it. Wow. So originally then it was started like where you're posting more family stuff then or were you always <laughs> posting? No, no, no. Decor? No, no, no. Well, yes and no. So okay. no, it was more of almost like a journal. Okay. I think. Um, yep. Which I feel like that's how blogs were back then. Like that's how they started. I remember reading um, a blog, you know, early on. And it was basically like, you know, you got up, you talked about, it was more like a journal. You got up, uh-huh. you talked 
your day, like what worked, what didn't work, your frustrations, a lot yeah. of frustrations. Um, and I mean, I loved being a mom. Like that was the, like, I don't, I don't think I ever felt more successful than the day somebody handed me a baby. I was mm-hmm. like, like I'm here, like I'm, <laughs> I'm here, I've made it right. Like it's the only thing I ever wanted to do. Um, but you know, they hand you this baby and you know, there is some roadmap, not some roadmap, like no one tells you how hard it is. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's so much more common now to talk about it. You know, it's not all roses and you Mm -hmm. don't come home from the hospital, like wearing your skinny jeans and your, you know, joy, like you've got hormones and emotions and you feel inadequate and, you know, like all of these things, yet you're so massively in love with this baby that you're holding that you can't imagine not doing this, but it's quite honestly, the hardest job in the entire world. Yeah. And on top of that, you know, having a baby who doesn't look like other babies do or just things differently. And now, you know, they're telling you, well, your baby might need this and we have to scan this. And it was incredibly overwhelming. And I was very, um, I didn't have, nobody else had a baby who wasn't quote normal. If that makes It was uncharted uh, like territory for you. 100%. And I think every single, what I've learned in these many years of motherhood and wife and growing and changing and whatever is that anytime that I am stressed, I go straight into something creative. Mm -hmm. It might be cleaning out a closet. It might be, you know, painting a room, but I immediately go to the creative to find peace. Okay. And so then you started your blog and you were sharing kind of this new motherhood life and family. Um, What was like blogging like back then? Because anytime I have someone on here who's had a blog for a while, I think it's so interesting to talk about how it's changed over the years. Like obviously, you know, it's more of a journal format, but was it easier to get followers back then and build your community? Was it... um, harder I feel like to get sponsorships and things like that so honestly when I started blogging I didn't even know what a sponsorship was I did not know we used to have these little things on the side of the blog when you um started with blogger and it would tell you like quote your followers and Mm -hmm. it would tell you where they were from and I mean I I don't know I had like uh, so I was friends with people who um, we're also starting a blog. So I think at that time it was way more like, Hey, we went here or, you know, I went to a paper chef party and I bought this thing and now I make sandwiches <laughs> with triangles. Like, I mean, literally it was the simple of the simple. Yeah. It wasn't as fancy. Now it's like you have no. to have a whole photo shoot and it no, sounds no. even not as, I don't want to say competitive. I'm sure there was competition even back then, but it sounded like everyone was learning it together. So people were more willing to help and share. Whereas now I feel like sometimes it can be a little bit more cutthroat. It was not, it was not even, I think the best way to describe it is that it was almost like reading some, reading someone's diary. Yeah. So there was not, 
like I'm, I know I documented arguments with my husband and like frustration that I, I mean, 100% Patricia, nothing <laughs> like you. I mean, I remember like having to Google how to upload a photo yeah. or um, how to like, I, I mean, one, like it, it was honestly like if someone handed you a house, okay, and said, okay, you, like you, I've given you this house, but now you need to transform it into something else. You'd be like, mm-hmm. uh, what? It's <laughs> not even YouTube videos. There was nothing. There was no social media. There was no, um, I mean, luckily I had the foresight not to be like, this is where I live and these are my children's names. Uh-huh. I mean, like walking into territory, you know, nothing about, but I didn't feel, but there was no pressure because there was like, honestly, I remember my first entry, something like, Hey, I've decided I'm going to do this. Okay. So it's done. Like it's maybe three sentences because there was just no, I mean, we're talking 1997. Yeah. There was no, there was nothing. Mm-hmm. There was nothing. And that quote, mommy blog kind of, I grew out of it and I'd have to go back and look at like date wise. I grew out of it because I was bored with it. Like I was bored of telling somebody else what my day looked like when I'd already lived it. I remember, yeah. I will never forget. I said to my husband, why don't you read my blog? And he was like, why? It's just like, why would I need to read it when I, you just, when he me- lives it. <laughs> You just told me what you did today. Like, what's the point? Yeah. Uh, or like my best friend, Holly, I was like, you're not reading it. She was like, why? We talk every day. Yeah. I mean, and I kind of was that there was, it was, it was not inspiring me. Right. <sighs> I had this platform that provide, basically provided, it started as an outlet, but provided no inspiration. So when so, did you take it to the next level then, I guess? Like, so. I would have to go back and look at. Um, date wise, but it went from like mommy blog, blog to um, designer inspiration blog mm-hmm. and to DIY. Okay. Which kind of crossed over, I think. Yeah. And then honestly, in 2015, when my oldest started his senior year in high school, it became very aware to me. I became very aware of the fact that like my mom, my role as a mom was about to shift. Yeah. And everything that I had put into raising them, you know, teaching them things, uh, making sure that they were, you know, molding, working with God and molding them into different things. Like I was about to be cut off Mm -hmm. and I'm, I had a friend who basically sat me down and was like, Hey, you know, that blog that you've been playing with, I think that you could do this full time. And so I basically out of, I think a need for a niche for myself, um, was like, okay, I now write five days a week. And, you know, I started with a schedule and I've told this story many times where like, I started with a schedule because I was like, what in God's name am I going to write about five days a week? And so at that point I started, um, and I'd have to go back and look at my schedule, but like say Monday was monogramming and Tuesday was, um, you know, um, either places to eat or travel or like I had a very specific schedule and I did that for as many months as I did it. And then I got sick of it. 
And I was like, yeah, no, now I just write. And so my goal from that day forward was to inspire myself. And if someone else was inspired because of it, then I was doing the right thing. I didn't look at stats. I didn't monetize anything. It was... It was 100% therapy for me. Which is amazing. I mean, but you've grown so much, I feel like, since then. I mean, now you even do a lot of style. So when was it, I guess, when you transitioned to know, like, oh, this could be, you know, a business and I could partner with these great brands. I could make money off of this. I could, like, when did you start seeing it in that light? Probably. So that was... So he started his senior year of high school in August of 2015, and I went to my first Southern Sea that February. I was actually given a free ticket to Mm. style a luncheon. Oh, wow. And I only sat in on three, it was in Charleston, and I only sat in on three sessions. Um, and the second session I sat in on was um, a friend here locally that was speaking on business and blog and whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there listening to Mandy Kellogg Rice speak and being blown away that I could grow this into something else. Mm-hmm. I probably had 24. 500, between 2,500 and 4,000 followers at that point. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, I met Mandy Kella. Oh, no, I knew Mandy before then because basically that was Mandy's first. And she was like, I remember her um, DMing me maybe on Facebook or whatever and being like, are you here? Like, can we sit and have a drink? Like, she knew no one. I was like, eh. Like, I mean, we both were. I met so many people. I met um, my the person who became a life coach. Um, and I just was like, okay, so I've been regular at this now from August to, this might have been, you know what? It was April. I think it was April when I went to, and I literally came home and was like, boom, I'm a brand. I didn't mm-hmm. know what the heck I was talking about. <laughs> Thinking back, I was like, kind of like, I'm going to make this into a brand. And my husband was like, what the heck is a brand? Um, I just was like, I'm going to go for it. Like, basically, I can't, it can't be bad because it's been inspiring me and it's been carrying me through this. So if I inspire one person while I'm inspiring myself, why can't I inspire 500 people? Like, I didn't, I don't know that I... The weird thing about like my whole journey through like business and life has been like, okay, well, I love antiques because that's what I know. I love the law because like I basically decided I'm Nancy Drew. Um, Like it just kind of, I just pulled from what I had. Mm -hmm. This is my point. Like I backed into a blog. I backed into social media. We used to use Instagram to edit photos. I had no idea they were going anywhere. Um, I mean, it was, 
like when Instagram first started is when I started my Instagram. And I remember probably the first five photos don't even have anything on them because I was editing. Like I didn't mm-hmm. know what I was doing. Um, probably still had a Blackberry. At the, it, I mean, who knew? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've basically backed into all of this. And it was not until 2019 when I was sitting in that ICU room that I was like, I have a platform. I am going to use this God. You've asked me to speak. I didn't want to speak. I wanted nothing to do with it. I wanted to bring joy and inspiration. I didn't want anything to do with asking anybody for help. Yeah. No part of it. And I was sitting in that ICU room and I was watching him bleed literally internally. And I was thinking, I need help. Mm -hmm. And what had what I had grown organically um, from working with brands and making friends and making partnerships and, you know, the positives and the negatives of working with people and learning things about people and, you know, mudding the waters between business friends, you know, business acquaintances and friends, like the whole, you know, I literally walked through that whole puddle. Yeah. Um, but there I was. And I was like, I remember starting the post and saying, I know you come here for inspiration and for blue and white, but I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at that moment is when my blog went from inspiration to okay. a lifeline. Okay. For me. Yeah. Definitely for me writing became cathartic. And I mean, but I still, there is not a post I post on Instagram and there is not a blog that I do not write that does not inspire me. If it does not inspire me, I do not post it. I mean, it sounds like you've, you've grown and evolved and changed with the blog and writing through all these years. And you've come back to some things, you've left some things that, you know, you've kind of found your niche though in doing so. And I think, you know, even with being vulnerable and sharing the journey, you're helping people. I mean, when you written post about your son or, you know, going through that with your husband, like that's helping people and connecting them and feeling like, you know, maybe if they're going through that, they're not alone. Cause it sounded like when you started your blog, you felt alone having a child with special needs and, you know, kind of on your own Island and figuring things out by yourself. I would agree with you a thousand percent. Um, and I've grown like, I mean, obviously you grow mm-hmm. as you age. Like if you don't grow, like who the heck are you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I hope I've, I mean, you know, you're very selfish before you have children. And I mean that in the best way possible. Yeah, no, like, totally. I mean, I don't have children and I always say, because I'm, I'm not ready to be not selfish yet. <laughs> And you know what? I mean, but you are, you're very like self-centered. It's very much like you, your job, your travel, Mm -hmm. your family, your whatever. And then you have a child and you're like, okay, well, it's no longer about me. And then, but there's still so much, like I cannot even compare 51 year old Paige Minear with 25 year old, barely me. Mm-hmm. Like when we got married, I mean, we are not the same people we are, you know, we've grown, we've, I, I've grown so much over the past, let's see, 
my middle son's mental health journey started December of 2008, 2017. I'm not even that same person. Yeah. Like you have to grow and you have to continue to be inspired and your children, you know, you, you have this baby and from the moment that they hand it to you, you're basically preparing them to leave you. Mm Mm-hmm. Physically, not emotionally, but very much physically. And I've raised, obviously, with the help of my husband and a whole journey of friends and Jesus, three very independent children. Um, And even, you know, now, like, my youngest is about to be, we call it the J word, but a junior in high school (laughs) in four days. And she's very independent. Yeah. the most independent of all of us. And, you know, like my role again, like I, every time that I get more and more anxious about her getting bigger and bigger, I just throw more of me into what brings me joy because Mm -hmm. I know she's not going to be here and I want that for her. Yeah. Well, speaking Um, of that, I guess then tell me a little bit about adding your Instagram and your business where you sell antiques and vintage finds. Tell me about how that came about then. So I have done this on Instagram. Well, it started on Facebook. Now, I think this is my fourth, fourth time, third time. Um, And the other, it's my third time. The other two times I did it, um, it worked for a while and then like, life would get busy or we almost moved to Kansas or um, my husband was, you know, my husband worked in California for four years. So I was a single parent. I say single with quotes because not a single parent. I mean, the support that he gives is beyond. Um, But I was, uh, I was the only parent in Georgia basically um, for four years during my oldest being in high school. And so like, it was never the it was this great idea, but it was never the right time. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense to you. Um, and so, um, honestly, and I'm going to be very vulnerable. Um, when we left the hospital, um, with Nathan mm-hmm. in October of 2019, we came home to a $1 million hospital bill. Oh and, gosh. um, we have amazing insurance we had already met our out of pockets. Um, we, you know, everybody was in network. We were very aware that we were immensely blessed. Mm-hmm. But the fact that that bill would show up every single month, and even it wasn't even a bill at that point, right? Like, you know, they did say the whole, here's your bill, but you owe nothing. But the fact that that came, I was like, yeah. I need to do more like what I make off my blog was going to support some things, but you know, what if something happened to my husband? Like what the heck was I going to do? Was I going to go back into, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like here I am at that rubber meets the road that my mom always talked about. Like I need a backup plan. Mm -hmm. And so I, threw myself into partnerships and was like, I will work harder. I will work more. I will do whatever, you know, my youngest is in private school and we are blessed. Like my husband does very, very well, but that there was something about that piece of paper, Patricia, that like cut at me. 
And I was very aware that there were a lot. I just kept thinking, what do the people do who don't have insurance? What do the people do who don't get to go back to jobs? What do the people do? Like, what, what are the, like, what do those people do? Well, Mm -hmm. they figure it out. And so I was very aware that I was going to need to do something, um, to offset, you know, the 10% or the 20% or, you know, cause we had, I mean, God bless him. We had a pulmonologist. We had, um, you know, three surgeons. We had, I mean, there were just all these extra, 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 extra people that I knew were going to need things. Yeah. Um, and when COVID hit and I got stressed about my husband who was on chemo, like what was his risk going to be? And, you know, this was a lung issue and he had already almost died from lung mm-hmm. issues. And once again, went back into being creative and started cleaning out my, my collections and was like, hmm, I should share these. And so started selling on DMs. And when it got too hard for me to manage on a DM, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to open a shop. And October 1st of last year, I was like, I now own a shop. I love that. I mean, I think something to learn from that is, you know, making the best of the situation. And like we talked about earlier, like learning and growing and you realize, you know, if I had to do this alone, that here's what I need to do. Like I need to have something um, to fall back on a little bit. So I think that's so smart. And it seemed that like from the outside looking in, it just seemed like a natural progression. Like you love finding antiques and going thrifting and things like that. So from outside looking in, I had no idea you know, what was going on and the reasons behind it. So I think you did a great job at that because it's not like you're like, oh, well, now I'm going to, you know, I don't know, do this thing that doesn't relate at all. I'm going to start working with, I don't know, whatever, you know? So it seems like such a smart move on your part. Well, thank you. Um, I <laughs> truly appreciate that. I definitely have felt many, many, many times, and I talk about this with my friends, I definitely believe I have a lane. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not an interior designer. I'm not, um, I have no, I have no, you know, I have no desire for that. Like I can style my own world all day long because it's things that I love and they bring me joy. But, um, people even, you know, saying like, could you help me pick out? Oh, it literally like, no, like what I'm going to pick, you're not going to, I mean, there's just no way. Like it's not, my, it's not, that's not my lane. I don't garden. I don't, um, you know, I'm not a chef. Like there's so many things I can't do. Yeah. And I'm okay with that because my gifts, my spiritual gifts and the gifts that I know that I'm good at is where I need to stay because if you do something like people ask me all the time, like your shop's grown so much and it has grown beyond even what I thought it would, even with followers. Like I don't even pay attention to that because as long as I'm selling what I buy and I'm turning a profit and I'm putting this money here and this money going back in and blah, 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 like that's successful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I've grown and I've sold more and, you know, I buy more and I sell more and whatever that 
that's where that feels successful. And, you know, like the day before we left on vacation, so we left on a Sunday from that Saturday when I went, woke up to that Saturday, well, to Sunday morning at 1230 when I finally went to bed, I shipped and answered emails and answered questions almost the entire day. Um, we shipped and dropped off 64 packages and that was just from that week. Oh my gosh. So you gotta love it and you have to love every bit of it from signing the thank you letters to buying the peanut. You have to love it all or it does not. There's no joy there. Yep. I mean, it's weird. It's like, it's like running a retail business out of my house. So like, I ship, I wrap, I, you know, list, I take my photos, I hunt it. There is, yeah, I have little shipping teenagers that help me, but, um, you've got to love it to be able to do it. it. If all of a sudden I was like, okay, well now I make, I have a precious little friend who makes pies. She loves making pies. Praise Jesus. Because she made made like 82 one week. I would... I think I would sit down in the middle of the floor and cry. Like, that does not bring me joy. Yeah. So you do have to love it. So Mm -hmm. the fact that it seems seamless from the outside looking in makes me happy because it's what I love. So I love it when people are like, hey, like you messaged me and was like, hey, I'm looking for some plates for a plate wall. What do you have? I have people that are like, oh my gosh, I'm looking for A, B, or C. And I'm like, oh, let me hunt. That's joyful. Yeah. Um, And it's a purpose. Like it's fun. And, you know, you found what you're good at, it seems. Correct. So, and I am good at it. And I am, you know, my eye is different than other people's eyes, which is great. Like I shop with a couple of other um, people here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. I think there's three to four of us um, that are close friends and we can literally shop together and I'll buy completely different things. That's so funny. And, um, it's easy. Mm-hmm. It's easy. When you do something that you love, it's easy. It's a lot of work. It is not for someone who just wants to like mail out two or three things and be like, Oh my God, this is great. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of shipping. It's a lot of sweating. It's a lot of piles everywhere. Um, that no. brings me immense joy. Definitely. So now I have some like short answer, like first thing that comes to your mind, like little tips and trick questions. Okay. Um, what is one tip if someone wanted to go antiquing um, on their own? Like, do you have any anything that you follow that you could share with someone? Like one tip or trick, like look for these things or, you know, I don't know, whatever it is. So, well, I think I have one for buying for yourself and one for selling. Okay. Um, I would definitely say um, that, so when you're buying for yourself and it's something that you buy what you love, mm-hmm. honestly, buy what you love. Um, when you're at an estate sale or when you're at an antique shop, vintage shop, thrift shop, whatever. Definitely um, when you're at an antique sale they, or estate sale, they have hold spots. Um, and as long as their rule is not you hold it, you buy it, you can definitely hold and then um, edit your pile. Uh-huh. Um, but holding will allow you to Google things. You can find out what things are. Um, 
I collect um, specific Staffordshire style dogs. I literally have a problem leaving anything with chintz behind. Um, I collect certain um, design books and I have a major issue with China Um, (laughs) to the point where I'm like, I have to put that back. We're at a space now with, um, Oh, I'm in a place now where I literally tried to buy something and let something go, but buy what you love. Um, you know, like I know you uh, love the hunt. I know other people like you, you know what you're attracted to. Yeah. If you're not doing this for a profit, buy what you love. Mm-hmm. Because if you love it, then you're either going to love it in your home or you're going to be like, you know, say you buy something for your mom. You're like, let me tell you why I bought this for you. Yeah. There's something so joyful about that. Um, if you're trying to start a business or if you're buying for a resale business, um, second, buy what you love because it might live with you for a bit. But definitely do your research. Um, you can download, Google has a, um, it's like a little square on the app and you can take a picture of something and you can Google. It will literally search the web and tell you like, oh, that's a Mary Gregory vase. And if it has, um, for example, I've been researching Mary Gregory, which is a very specific painting style on glass. And, um, uh, like I have a, what do you call it? Like a guest decanter that has like the bottom and the top. And so Uh that guest decanter is green, but then the painting will be like stark whites. Um, and it's a painting of like children and they're doing activities like they're chasing a butterfly or the fishing or whatever. Um, it will allow me to take a picture of that. It will go straight to replacements, eBay, every single, you know, Wikipedia, whatever, you'll be able to Google what you have, what it's worth, and you'll know instantly whether or not that is a good buy. That's awesome. I didn't realize that with the little Google app. Yeah. So on Google, it, so, and it's different from, I think it's Google photos you have to download. Okay. So it's not, but basically you'll have your search and then to the right, it'll look like a little, it's like a, it's a square, but it only has like the corners of the square, if that makes sense. Okay. And you click on it and it will allow you to instantly take a picture. Or if you've got a picture, it'll allow you to upload the picture. Upload it. Okay. And search. So cool. Do your research because yeah. it is very easy to overspend because you love it and it's exciting or to buy something that, um, honestly people want too much for, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now, people really believe in their items. Yes. No, a hundred percent. I always agree with that too. You know, I just buy based on what I love. And like, I think so many people care about trends or like what's popular mm-hmm. with interior design right now. But at the end of the day, like if it's in your home, you should love it. So I'm on the same page with that. Now, my next question is, um, what's one like tip or trick for entertaining? Like you do great tablescapes and even like you share some recipes, like what's your like go-to tip or trick that people can use for entertaining? Invite who you want to spend your time with and spend your time with them. So yes, I can set a beautiful table. Yes. I love a beautiful table, 
Mm-hmm. Um, for example, this Sunday, I am going to host my daughter and some of her friends for back to school because none of them want to go back to school. Mm-hmm. Um, so this morning I was talking to one of my best friends and I was like, okay, we're going to do, you know, the girls, I'm going to set the table. The table is for me. It's not for them. Um, and, um, simple meals, simple, because mm-hmm. you don't want to be so caught up in cooking, ma- cooking something. Okay. Yeah. So girls love taco bowls. I'm going to do a taco bar. Um, simple because yeah. the whole goal is for them to be together and make the memory. Mm-hmm. And for me to have a cute picture of them to start the year with, the goal is not for me to impress them with my cooking, my table skills or (laughs) whatever. I mean, honestly, I can remember every single time I have been somewhere and it has made an impression on me. It's because the host was spending time with me. Yes. No, that's a great, a great tip. I remember Eddie Ross is a friend of mine, but I remember reading Eddie's blog long before we met and became friends. And he would be like, you don't have to make all that. You can go to Costco and get yourself a cheese tray and come home and style it up. And voila, it's about sitting down and being with your people. So yes, you can set it, but make sure that you are with them because that's, what's going to be memorable. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a great tip. Actually, Eddie lives up here, so I know him. Yes. Well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, when are y'all going to come up? And I'm like, I know nothing about Pennsylvania. <laughs> no, you have to. There's some good antique malls here and everything. It's a little bit more pricey, though, I have found, I feel like, compared to the South whenever I go down there. Um, say, yeah, because – and there's certain things that y'all have that we don't have. I mean, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So now my next question is, what does preppy mean to you? Since this is the preppy podcast, like how would you describe preppy today? So I'm a classic prep, 100%. Mm -hmm. Um, Preppy for me is bright colors, a popped collar, and always a pearl. Yep, that's perfect. I think that's so classic. So now my final question is, where can people find you? Like, let everyone know your social media handle, your blog, like your shop, like all of that. Where can they follow along, take part in your community, shop your finds, like all of that good stuff? So the easiest place to find me is on my blog, which um, is The Pink Clutch. Um, And I picked that name because it's very, very me. Um, no matter what I'm wearing, if I have a pink clutch, like, is there anything better? Um, <laughs> plus it's super preppy. So yeah, the blog. And from the blog, you can find my Instagram, which is my name, Paige Minear, M-I-N-E-A-R. Um, and the shop, which is Shop Pink Clutch. Um, and then you can also find me, I write devotions with two other girls for um, a um, Christian-based Instagram. Um, and that one is influenced by grace, which I will add to my blog. But, um, because social media is so like up in the air always, I mean, it could go away tomorrow. You can always find me on the blog and I will go ahead and sneak this because I haven't told anybody else. Um, but I am moving part of that shop online. So I have, um, a website where you can shop exclusively. And then I also have flash sales. 
I love that. Thanks for that little sneak peek. Well, you're welcome. Thank you, Paige. I love taking time chatting with you, learning more about you and your journey. It was so fun. Well, you know I adore you, and um, we work together in our hashtag group. <laughs> we have a lot of the same friends, and and so this is a treat. I really appreciate you having me. Oh. Thank you so much for listening to the Preppy Podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast and follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media.